Shalom and welcome to Think Jewish, where we join together to explore spiritual answers for human questions. Today we will be exploring the power of human emotions and their drive to explosive success. This week's Torah portion begins with the continuation of a tough conversation between Moses and God. Moses had said to God, O oh Lord, why have you harmed these people? Why have you sent me? Since I have come to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has harmed this people, and you have not saved your people. God began his response to Moses with, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a mighty hand he will send them out, and with a mighty hand he will drive them out of his land. Now, this Torah portion begins with God continuing with his answer to Moses. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob with the name Kael Shakai, Almighty God. But with my name Havaya, the ineffable Tetragrammaton, I did not become known to them. And also I established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of the sojourns in which they sojourned, etc., and I remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will take you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will save you from their labor, and I will redeem you. I will bring you to the land concerning which I raised my hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord." Commentaries look into the meaning of the opening verse about God appearing to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with one name and to Moses with another name. What is the meaning of these names? Additionally, why make mention here at all of the forefathers? Rashi comments on this, I was not recognized by them with my attribute of keeping faith, by dint of which my name is called Havaya, the ineffable tetragrammaton which means that I am faithful to verify my words, for I made promises to them, but I did not fulfill, etc. The Holy One, blessed be he, said to him, to Moses, We suffer a great loss for those who are lost and who cannot be found. I must lament the death of the patriarchs. Many times I revealed myself to them as the Almighty God, and they did not ask me, What is your name? But you asked, what is his name? What shall I say to them? This is Rashi's explanation. Nevertheless, it was only Moses who could bring about the exodus of the Jewish people and to bring them the Torah at Mount Sinai. It was not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This leads us to explore the difference between our forefathers of who it was said, I must lament the death of the patriarchs, and Moses, of whom it was said, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. After the Torah records God's answer to Moses, it begins to define the genealogy of Moses and Aaron, and then finishes this piece of the portion with, And Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron was 83 years old, when they spoke to Pharaoh. Why is it important to know the age of Moses and Aaron at the time that they began the process of bringing about the Exodus? The Torah is not a book of history, but a book of guidance and directives. 
Thus, there must be guidance here concerning our own personal redemption of our personal inner exile and for bringing the world redemption, which the world is so desperately in need of. May it be now. A final introduction is to understand the role that our emotions play in our life. On the one hand, we are taught in Hasidis and by inspirational self-help books such as those of Anthony Robbins and the likes, that without emotions we would achieve nothing. Rabshneer Zalman of Liadi writes in the founding book of Chabad philosophy that our observance of the 248 commandments are driven by the emotion of love and our adherence to the 365 prohibitions are driven by fear. Thus, our religious practices of the 613 commandments, their offshoots of laws and traditions, all depend upon our emotions. Anthony Robbins, author of Awaken the Giant Within, writes, In life you need either inspiration or desperation. Passion is the geniuses of genius. And he advises us to live with passion. So it is too within the writings of all other great inspirational speakers and self-help guides. It is clear that emotions are the wind beneath our wings. Likewise, it is emotions that lead us to the biggest disasters and crises in our life. We are teaching our children from the youngest age the discipline of choosing correctly between what we want to do and what we should do. The emphasis of this discipline is that we must not give in to our heart and its emotions of what we want, but rather we must give dominance to our mind and what it knows to be right from wrong. Which leads us to our last introductory question. Exactly how reliable are our emotions to drive us to explosive success? Let us go back to the difference of names that God is pointing out to Moses. God explains that the patriarchs only received the revelation of the name Kel Shakai, which means Almighty God. You may recognize the second name of Shakai from the outside of your mezuzah. Or you may have wondered why many beautiful mezuzah cases have the letter Shin on the outside. It is the initial of the name Shakai. The Talmud defines for us the meaning of this name. Rabbi Judah further said, At the time that the Holy One, blessed be He, created the world, it went on expanding like two balls of yarn, until the Holy One, blessed be He, rebuked it and brought it to a standstill. For it is said, The pillars of heaven are tr were trembling, but they became astonished at His rebuke. And that too is what Rosh Lakish said, What is the meaning of the verse, I am Kel Shakai. It means, I am he that said to the world, enough. The name Shakai here is broken into two. She, which means who said, die, enough. You may recognize that word from the Passover song, Dayenu, enough. Thus, this name of God is the level of divinity that is clothed within creation and embodies the finite limitations of creation. This too is the level of the divinity of the patriarchs. The level of divinity that revealed itself to the patriarchs was the Shakai, finite divinity of creation. Another way to see this is that the world was created in six days. 
The Holy Zohar refers to these six days as the supernal days, which are the emotion emanations through which the world was created. Thus, the patriarchs represent emotions. To be more precise, Abraham was the embodiment of divine kindness, Isaac of divine strength, and Jacob of divine compassion. This is the meaning of the verse in Psalms. The days of our years, because of them, are seventy years. That the life of man is the completion of emotions, which is seven emotions, each compiled of ten faculties. Life as we know it to be within creation is all about the experience of the seven divine emotions as experienced by a human, which are love, I'm going to list now the seven human emotions that come from the seven emotional emanations. Love, fear, compassion, endurance, acknowledgement, commitment, and expression, or you can see it as regality. The verse of Psalms then concludes with, and if with strength, 80 years. While the normal experience of life is the experience of the seven complete emotions, which is 70, However, if there is an increase, a greater strength, then this manifests itself in 80 years rather than 70 years. In the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus, this strength refers to the eighth dimension, called in Kabbalah the eighth crown, which is the intellect emanation of understanding. This transcends the limited capacity of emotions. The verse in Proverbs, King Solomon states, I am understanding, I have might. King Solomon clearly defines the emanation of understanding to be strength, might, greater than the human experience of emotions. Let us understand why understanding is superior with strength. Kabbalah defines for us that the superior strength of understanding comes from the Holy Ancient One. Now, the Holy Ancient One is the interior dimension of the supernal crown. By definition, the crown rests above the head and is circular and infinite, rather than the finite linear of the head and below, which are the intellects and the emotion. This is why the Torah tells us that Moses and Aaron were 80 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Before Moses reached the eighth dimension, the strength of understanding, which is the influence of the holy ancient one of the supernal crown, Moses could not begin the process of redemption. As long as one is limited within his own divinity to the limited capacity of creation, one cannot break free of the limitations of creation. Creation has its limitations, even in its experience of holiness, the limitations of holiness evolves the beginning to the experience of exile, from which then evolves the painful exile of racism, religious persecution, and injustice afflicted on people. To break free from the exile imposed upon us by the limitations of creation, we must connect with our eighth dimension, which is above and beyond the limitations of our emotions. Our emotions often swing and weaken when challenged. 
we also find Moses' spiritual connection being beyond the limitations of creation within his genealogy, which is the reason why the Torah tells us his genealogy at the time of Moses approaching Pharaoh to begin the process of redemption. The reason for the Torah emphasizing Moses' genealogy here is to emphasize that Moses was the seventh generation from Abraham. Upon being the seventh, the Medrash teaches us, and all the sevens are beloved. The first and obvious example of this, the seventh being beloved, is the seventh day of the week, which is the beloved Shabbat. The six days of creation is Shakai, while of Shabbat the verse states, Shabbat to Havaya. And so it is, while the patriarchs experienced the divinity of creation, the Kel Shakai, Moses, the seventh generation from the patriarchs, the beloved one, experienced the power of the supernal crown as it was expressed in the eighth dimension of understanding. This is the name of Havaya, the ineffable tetragrammaton. Now I would like to just quickly point out that we are stating that Moses was the seventh generation and yet I just spoke to you of the eighth dimension. Shabbat, as with the emanation of understanding, has two dimensions. When we understand a law of the Torah, the focus can be on the lower dimension of the Torah law concerning the physical object, for example, who a garment belongs to in a dispute over ownership of a found garment. Or the focus can be on the superior dimension of understanding God's intellect and God's will that is found in the Torah. So too concerning Shabbat. We can focus on the lower dimension of resting from the six days of work. We need to rest. Or we can focus on the higher dimension of the supernal pleasure that God has placed within the rest of Shabbat. The higher dimension of Shabbat, the supernal pleasure of the resting of Shabbat, is what the verse speaks of when it states Shabbat to Havaya. This is the supernal crown experience within the eighth dimension, the higher dimension of Shabbat and of understanding. Let us return now to our discussion. Now we have a clear understanding of why the Torah emphasizes the genealogy of Moses being the seventh and beloved generation of our people and why the Torah emphasizes that Moses and Aaron were 80 years old when they approached Pharaoh initiating the redemption process. Redemption from the holy limitations of creation which eventually lead to evil persecution within creation. If there's limitations, it's going to evolve into worse and worse. Can only come through the transcendence of divinity of the holy and effable tetragrammaton. That is the only redemption power to the limitations of creation, which is the experience of the supernal crown expressed through the eighth dimension of understanding. However, by its very definition, when we say that Moses was the seventh generation, that number seventh tells us that it's the seventh to the first. Simply said, if not for Abraham, there would be no Moses. On a spiritual level, this is telling us that Moses' capacity of the eighth dimension needs the patriarch's capacity of emotions in order to bring about redemption.
This is why God speaks to the patriarchs as Moses of them. Sorry, this is why God speaks of the patriarchs as Moses begins the redemption process. On the lower dimension of emotions, emotions are defined specific particular feelings of love, fear, compassion, etc. within the heart and are confined within the limitations of a human being. However, let's stop for a moment. Let us ask, what is the sole power of all emotions? Yeah, each emotion is a particular different feeling towards something. However, what is the sole power of all our emotions? The answer is that the soul of emotions is willpower. The experience of will to want defines what we love, what we are afraid of losing, and what we are compassionate about. This is why in the opening Rashi that we quoted about God bemoaning the patriarch's death, Rashi says the first forefathers. What does Rashi mean by saying the first forefathers? There are only three forefathers to our people. The answer is that God was speaking to Moses of the patriarchs as they are as they are in the superior power of will as they are in their first dimension which is greater than the emanation of understanding the eighth dimension which we spoke about is only empowered by the supernal crown expressing itself within understanding however the power of will to want is the supernal crown it is the supernal crown. It's not empowered by the supernal crown. Thus, we're now seeing that the first dimension of our first of our forefathers, this power of will, is even greater than the power of Moses, who was the eighth dimension, which is only empowered by the supernal crown. While the patriarchs in their first dimension they are the supernal crown thus while the lower dimension of emotions has its limitations and they can weaken in the face of struggle however nothing stands in the way of the soul's supernal willpower you guys have heard it said if there's a will there's a way thus God speaks of Moses genealogy his power of being the beloved seventh generation to the first dimension of the forefathers. For while Moses is all about living practically and physically a life of transcendence and a life of freedom of persecution and limitations, nevertheless, Moses must first be connected to and empowered by the deepest soul power, which is the soul's supernal willpower. However, the soul's supernal willpower on its own remains abstract and detached from our practical feelings within our heart, which is why we so often crumble under friction and struggles that challenge what we love and what we want. Therefore, the forefathers of their own capacity could not bring us redemption in the first dimension they are detached, abstract from our practical emotions. On the level of our practical emotions, we weaken in the face of struggle. On the other hand, Moses of his own capacity, 
even while being the eighth dimension of understanding, is not powerful enough to bring us a redemption that could practically stand against all forces of evil and conflict. Therefore, only a Moses of 80 years old, the eighth dimension of understanding empowered by the supernal crown, and Moses empowered by his genealogy of the first forefathers, was able to face Pharaoh and bring practical and physical redemption to the Jewish people. In closing, let us now get practical about all of this. This topic really demands of us to get practical because I personally believe that within this mystical teaching lies the fork in the road whether our emotions will lead us to success or whether our emotions will lead us to frustration or God forbid even worse to self-destruction. As we mentioned in the opening of this discussion human emotions are the driving force to the actions that we take in our life. To ask a person to live with only obedience void of emotions is to ask of a human being to stop being human. However for human emotions to be constructive, we must first introduce into them two superior human powers. The difference between a child and an adult is not within their having emotions. Quite the contrary. Within the intensity of emotions, the child seems to be superior to the adult. Where the adult's emotions are superior to the child's emotions is in A the object of their emotion, what the person wants, and B, in the endurance of their emotions. This is because the object of our emotions and the endurance of our emotions depend upon our emotional maturity, which is all about our emotions being directed by our eighth dimension of understanding and their being empowered by our soul's infinite willpower. It is imperative for us to pause our emotions and to shift to our understanding of who we are and of what God's will for us is. Without these, we cannot maturely define the object of our emotions and we will be consistently thrown about as a ship at sea in the depths of a storm. Even when we do have the power of understanding as to who we are and to what we should want, love, fear, and passionately pursue after, we will still lack the infinite power of endurance that success demands of us. To have the soul's infinite power of endurance, we need to humbly open up to allowing our soul to replace our ego at the helm of our ship. With this replacement of the ego by the soul comes along the simultaneous replacement of our insecurity by an infinite endurance. And thus, emotion now leads us to our destiny of success. So there you have it on the most practical level. We need to introduce into our emotions, which is the driving force of our, what we do, we need to introduce into the emotions two superior human powers. Number one, 
we need to introduce the eighth dimension of understanding to just stop for a moment to have a clear understanding of who we are and what God's will for us is. The second superior human power that we need to introduce in order to be successful is to introduce the infinite endurance of the soul. The way we do this is by humbly opening up to allow our soul to replace our ego at the helm of our ship. Then we will have that human ego insecurity replaced by an infinite endurance. Then the practical physical emotions of what we want, what we're afraid of, what we're going to pursue becomes the surest drive to an explosive success. So, one should always remember that while the early bird gets the worm, the early worm gets eaten. Therefore, always live within your higher conscientiousness to think Jewish.